Hi, welcome to the Action Only Podcast, and I am happy that I have a special guest today, Evie, and we are going to have a conversation about all the different ways that she has took action in her life, from leaving the corporate world to uh, going to school to become a special education teacher, to trying to balance that with motherhood, um, losing a loved one. We're going to get into all these different things. I'm so excited for this conversation. But first, I wanted to do what we always do is begin the show with a quote. And today's quote is, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act, but a habit. And that quote is by Will Durant. Now, this woman right here, I'm going to tell you guys, I'm going to tell you guys a story. So when I inboxed her, to come on the show, the first thing I asked her was, who do I got to beg to get you on the show? Because, you know, when you start out something new, you know, you cannot be afraid to ask people for help and, you know, ask people to come on, ask people to support. So you got to, you know, you got to humble yourself a little bit when you go out there. And I have known her for quite, um, quite a few years. We actually had started, uh, we did a project which I was telling my wife today, we should have kept going because we was on to something. Um, And, uh, you know, she has been kind to me in all the years that I've known her. I've loved being able to look on uh, Facebook and see the encouragement that she gives to other people and to to me and just how real she keeps it. That is one of the things I really influence. I appreciate about her. So to me, she's an influencer. She's a wife. She's a mother. She's a teacher. And she's just one that just keeps it real. So we're going to get into this conversation. And I really think that this conversation is going to be helpful for a lot of people. And I want to start this conversation off with you decided to go from corporate to, to being a school teacher. And I just think about teaching and I could just, I never, I could not do it. So I want to hear about, you know, your journey. You got your, you got your master's in, in, um, education in june of 2021 but you already had a job by may of 2021 working for the (laughs) seattle school district so i'm interested to hear the story of the transition and what was your thought process going into that like what made this happen um you know i really you know working so, you know, with corporate America, it's like I was working at a bank and mm-hmm. I was a manager at a bank. I've been a personal banker at a bank. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've done mortgage lending, all that stuff. And those environments, it's so hard to be a black woman in those environments, mm-hmm. um, especially like when you know what you're talking about or, you know, being being an educated woman, like coming in there, you know, they're like, well, how did you get here? You know, um, but it was like a constant like reminder. Like I almost have, it's crazy. I almost have trauma when I think about mm. working in like the corporate world. Like I remember when I first became a bank manager, um, you know, I was managing a bunch of um, Caucasian um younger women or whatever. Um, some of them, like a couple of them were older than me. Um, but I, you know, they're like, well, how did you get this? Like, kind of like sizing me up low key. Um, oh, I've been here with this company. I wonder why they didn't choose me. Like different things like that. Like almost like you're not even qualified for this. So, you know, they made my job like a lot harder. I was tone policed constantly. It was, it was always just something, you know, and after a while I kind of just got tired of that. And I'm like, I don't, want to be 
in this side of things anymore. You know what I mean? Um, and I, you know, I was in banking for like over probably like six to eight years. Um, and I just, you know, I made that, that shift. But one of the things that, um, really caught my eye when I was in banking is I started to teach financial literacy at elementary schools. Mm. Um, so I would go in teach kids how to use money, what they buy, how to open a, you know, an account and things like that. And I just love being in the classroom. I love being in the classroom. Um, and then, you know, when I started um, dating my husband, he's like, you should just like get into like the sub pool and start subbing in the schools. So, um, you know, I started doing that, I started subbing. Um, and then, you know, I was like, okay, I want to want to enrich this. I want to, you know, advance in education. So I went to school to get um, my master's at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, so I went through that, that process, but that shift was so necessary for me and like my happiness and just really getting out of, um, like that, I, I felt like I was in a box when I was, you know, at the bank. Um, yeah. So yeah, getting into education definitely helped me a lot. I love kids, love being around kids. I love teaching them. Um, it obviously it takes a lot of patience and things like that. Like, you know, if you're a parent, just imagine having 20 kids at once or 15 kids at once, you know what I mean? So it's a lot, but I, um, I absolutely needed to to make that shift. I, I had to. Yeah. So it's interesting because basically what you were saying is like, and I I, I, read, I was reading something about this yesterday. So a lot of times people will get caught up in these, uh, uh, up in a job and they'll say, hey, well, you know, I'm not happy here, but it, I am making enough money to be able to take care of my needs. Yes. And so I'm going to figure out a way to stick this out. And what you said was, hey, you know what? Yeah, I, I you know, I, I'm here, obviously, because I'm getting paid. But also, my, my mental health is important to me, too. And so mm -hmm. I've got to figure out what I what else I can do. And so, I, you know, your husband making that that idea, hey, you should you should try subbing. And so then when you start you that seed was planted. Yeah. And then that seed just grew. And you're like, OK, wait a minute. It's time for me to move on to this next thing and go into teaching. And like you said, you did it during the pandemic. So we all sitting at home and you didn't just say, hey, you know, I'm going to sit at home and just let this time pass me. You decided, hey, I'm going to figure out how to put this time to my best use. Like, So what was that process like even going to school during the pandemic? Uh, how was that? Um, I, it was hard because, you know, you're doing everything online. You're meeting people online. You're trying to build relationships online. Um, and that was hard. And I will say, so I was already out of school. So I was already teaching for maybe three years before I got, uh, or how, no, four or five, four or five years or something like okay. that. Like, I can't mm -hmm. keep track anymore. Um, but I was already teaching before, um, the pandemic hit. And then we ended up being online and I was like, okay, well, this is probably like the perfect time to go and get my master's, you know, like I don't have to drive anywhere or do anything, but yeah. like making relationships and building relationships online is such a, I mean, it's such a challenge, right? But um, it was an interesting way to really um, enter into um, teaching and having my own classroom, <clears throat> excuse me, and what that really, really looks like. 
Um, so I know it was it was really hard. And I was thinking, I'm like, if this is hard for me, imagine how the kids feel. Like I'm a kid, I'm a kindergartner. It's my first year of school and I'm doing it online. Right. Or a kid who, you know, is in first grade and, you know, in the middle of um, kindergarten, boom, you know, we're going online. So it's like, gosh, this we're teaching kids to be social in the most, I guess, non-sociable way. Right. Uh, so, you know, it was really, it was a big challenge. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I've learned so much from it. But at the same time, like it was, it's, it was hard to even like, okay, now I'm used to teaching online. Now I got to go back into the classroom. Um, so it's just like those, those shifts and those transitions, they, they were really, really tough for me because I want to say that I, um, I think I'm a pretty um, outgoing person and it kind of made me not want to leave my house for a while. Like, it, you know, socially, it was very hard for me to like get back into the, the swing of things. It was, it was, it was tough. So I can only imagine how difficult that is for kids navigating that. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's an excellent point because and one I I thought about my myself because I consider myself to be an outgoing person and mm. then you know for people who are just consider themselves introverted sitting at home you know hey that's what we're doing anyway so you right. know it's, it's cool but for outgoing people you know I know the pandemic was hard because some of us need that that social interaction we 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 appreciate that energy that we get from other people. Yeah. And then to have that suddenly taken away is, is hard. So I think that's interesting that, you know, you were able to see that, you know, that was an experience that you, you had too. And I think that's something we don't talk about. I've, I've mm-hmm. always said to my wife, like when that pandemic happened, there was a whole lot of people that probably still haven't recovered from that and may, and may never recover from that, oh, yeah. just that aspect of it alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and changed completely who they were <clears throat> personality wise. So that's very interesting that, you know, you kind of, it's like, Hey, you know, you had to work through that. Yeah. Well, and that's the crazy part because I also, so I was like, okay, I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to go to grad school. And then, you know, it's like that first year of marriage, then I get pregnant. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh, that was, it was almost just like, okay, EB, you're, doing too much at this point you know what I mean like it was it was like I was just searching for balance at that time but it's like okay this is the time the time is now to do this like I can't wait to do this um you know it's like the perfect opportunity like okay you could do everything online you won't have to go anywhere but then I'm sick um I like my this last pregnancy I was so sick so it's like navigating that when I was interviewing for like my grad school um when I was interviewing for my grad school um, entry, I was actually, um, I mean, I was i was so sick. Like just powering through that alone, I was just like, how am I even, you know, managing this? Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's just like, you, you have to like navigate through so many things because there is a timeline to certain, you know, there's a, or that, there's that pressure to complete certain things by certain time. It's like, may not be pressure that we that's there but it's pressure we put on ourselves you know right 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 and i think that's interesting so it's like you you know like you said you're you're going to school you're you're pregnant your first year of marriage and i i think um and just realizing like 
these are a lot of things you had to, you know, you have on your plate, but you still said to yourself, I got to get these, you know, I got to figure out a way to still get it done because you could have given yourself plenty of excuse. I mean, all and all, which would have been valid, you know, somebody could look at your situation and say, Hey, you know what, you're, you're just getting married and you know, you're pregnant. You're not, I mean, I can understand if you wanted to put it off a little while, you know, all these Mm -hmm. things would have been understandable, but you said to yourself, you know what, I got to figure out how to keep, keep going because like you said, the pressure you put on yourself to say, hey, this is what I really want. And this is what I, I, I want for my life. Um, I, I think that's really important. And, you know, while we're, while we're talking about, you know, your first year of marriage, I remember seeing like the, the pictures from you guys' wedding. You just shared them again the other day, right? Mm. And I remember thinking like, where have I seen like something like this before, right? And I was sitting there and I was driving one day. And I was thinking about because I knew we had to do this podcast. And I was like, yeah. Oh yeah, coming to America. <laughs> I am so done. <laughs> oh oh my god! I went and come to America. And I looked at it again today. I'm like, yep, that's it. That's so it right silly. there. <laughs> I love those. I love. So I think it is such a beautiful thing to see. Um, one, uh, you guys have a blended family. And I also have a blended family, and mm-hmm. it is a it is a beautiful thing to see um, black couples come together, um, especially in a situation like a blended family, and make it work. And so I I really appreciate you know what you're doing, and I think it's it's one of those things that you know remind me you know this is. Where it's a, it's such a beautiful thing and it's not something everyone could do or know how to right. do because right. it comes with some challenges. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I just want to say it's such a, a beautiful thing to see. So you were just navigating a whole lot during that time period and not even, you know, just like, I couldn't, you know, that is a, that is a lot pandemic, the kid, you know, the, all of that. And so you're learning each other while being pregnant, while doing the school. Right. That's, that's, that is absolutely amazing. So we're going to jump up in the timeline. So you finish um, school, you start, uh, you you take a job as a special education teacher. Why a special education teacher? What about that appealed to you? Um, I've just, I've always had a, um, <clears throat> I guess, a passion for special education. You know, when I was doing subbing and things like that, I was usually in you know, various uh, special education rooms and just like overall, just I, I've i learned, you know, being in education, like this is where a lot of our black and brown, not only boys, but, you know, girls where they end up. Um, uh, so being a part of, you know, their learning experience and making sure like they get high quality education has always been something that, um has been like a goal or a passion for mine. So of of mine. So just making sure like I was a part of like their process. I just saw how not quality education, you know, special education has been. And, you know, like they have this constant, there's this constant turnover. There's this constant lack of like consistent adults there. So I kind of just wanted to be like that constant um, wherever I ended up and, to make sure that uh, I was in special education. So, you know, obviously these black and brown uh, students are seeing someone who shows up and looks like them every day. 
That's beautiful. Okay. So one of the things when we have these students in, in school, uh, I'm curious, what do you think us as parents, what are three things that we could do to make the experience better for our students and also mm-hmm. the teacher? What are what are some of the things, now that you've been a teacher, what are some of the things that you think we can do as parents that we might be missing? Um, <clears throat> As parents, just like knowing and being a part of what your kid is doing in school. Um, I think so many parents are just like getting, sending their kids off to school. They don't really know what they're learning, what they did. Um, read the teacher's emails that they send. Um, knowing your rights in special education. You know, these kids, they have these IEPs. Those are legal documents. You have rights to be a part of those conversations. You have right to say you don't agree with something. So I think like a lot of times parents are like just going through the motion, but it's like, no, you're a part of this planning team. You're a part of this, um, you know, this child's education process as well. So like parents need to know their rights that they have, you know, when they have a child that's in special education, you know, there's just, there's just so many things that I've noticed. Um, Sometimes like a lot of times parents will place blame on teachers, but a child that's only taught at school is going to be an ignorant child. So mm. it's very, very important for that teaching to start at home and then transfer into um, the, you know, education setting. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that is something that is not said enough is, you know, if it's, if your child is only taught at home and I, I think that is <clears throat> I think some of the times that is hard for parents to accept because when you when you said that I was kind of like Damn. you know what I'm saying a little bit you know it is it is because you really do we do understand we know that intrinsically know that it yeah. should but knowing and doing are two different things and just absolutely you know, hearing where you know a teacher say where that makes a difference is is important yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and then it's just like, I know some parents, and this is what I hear a lot, like, the strategies that you guys are using are so different from what we did. And it's just like, there is no one way to do anything. And I Mm -hmm. always tell my students that if I teach you a strategy, you can teach me a strategy. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't want to put them in this box of there's only one way to do something. You know, if you have a math strategy, and it might help the rest of the class come up and teach us you know what I mean like I learn from my students well I actually and this is why you know when I give them something new sometimes I just see how their brains are already thinking about it Mm. before I even teach I'm like okay well when you look at this problem how would you solve it you know Mm. what I mean and I think it's just like giving them that agency that they're independent thinkers already I don't I never want students to feel like they're in a box like I hated that about school and that's like that's why there's you know it's just like oh no you didn't show your work this way and it's like well that's not the way my brain thinks about it so I want them to use the strategy that works best for them not the strategy that I feel like they should use you know what I mean yeah and I think that's very interesting very important because that reminds me of uh, one of my sons he um he was doing math Mm-hmm. And he could get the right answer, but because he wasn't using some like a box, some type of box formula oh, yeah. to uh, yeah. calculate the math, the teacher was saying it was wrong. 
Yeah. But it, that just wasn't how his brain processed how to how to get the answers. And mm-hmm. so to me, that was a little like frustrating. I mean, if he's getting the, I thought the whole point was to make sure you understood it and get the answer, right? Not just be able to copy something that the the teacher said just because mm-hmm. the teacher said it. Yeah. So I think that that is. I think I love the fact that in your classroom, hey, you want to make sure they can think independently. Because the world needs more independent thinkers, right. not less. Yeah. And my thing is, like, we, we even think about life. Like, mm-hmm. we all have these different roads that we're taking, maybe to get to the same place. But I have to take my road. I can't take your road to get there. So it's like, why are we teaching kids one way to do something? Yeah. You know, and that's not the way life works. Right, right, right. Yeah, He's setting them up to fail. Yeah, very good point. All right, so I wanted to get into this too. On your on your journey, you you know, finish school, you got your new job, life is you know, you're in, still in that first year of marriage, pregnant. You know, you're looking forward to the birth of your child. All these things are happening, and then out of nowhere, you have a a tragedy, an unexpected tragedy in your family. Yeah, so ha- that that actually that happened. So I already had the baby. Oh, that did happen after the baby. Okay, yes. I'm sorry. So okay, I, I had okay. already had the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, baby was born earlier that year. <clears throat> okay. Okay. Yeah, he's born in February 2021. Oh, okay. and this happened. Yep. And this yeah. Happened in no- he, okay. And this happened in November. So yes, mm-hmm. I'm in like the middle of you know my you know first real year teaching at this school. You know, I'm mm-hmm. at a brand new school brand new people that I'm working with, you know, I'm already, it's already so, it was already so such a rough start to the year because, you know, I inherited a classroom from somebody who's kind of a hoarder. Um, So it's like, I'm cleaning my classroom, trying to get prepared for the year, reading over IEPs, like just so many things. So like September, October, oh my gosh, we're already freaking crazy. Yeah. Um, then I am, you know, I'm in the middle of parent-teacher conferences. I finish up, you know, parent-teacher conferences. Um, I look on my Facebook and, um, you know, just in my messages and someone's like, hey, you know, call me as soon as possible. Um, you know, I'm looking for your brother. I can't get into contact with him. So I'm like, oh, shoot. Okay, that's weird. Uh, <clears throat> so, you know, I call back and I'm like, hey, you know, what's going on? Like, oh, I think that your brother, you know, was was stabbed yesterday. Or last night. And I'm like, okay, that's weird. What, well, you know, what happened, you know, just so happens that someone that we know, like, they kind of were there. um, They were there in passing because they live in the same place. And he was actually murdered across the street from where he lives. Um, But, um, you know, they were just like, you know, just check around. So here I am. I'm like, okay, this is crazy. You know, just getting out of a conference, um, <clears throat> I'm heading over to get my baby from daycare. So I'm, I'm calling all over. I'm calling all these hospitals, trying to figure out where he is. You know, I'm like, before I, you know, tell my parents anything, I should probably make sure like, okay, where is he? So, you know, they're going to ask me all these questions. So here I am, I'm like trying to get all these, um, you know, answers or whatever before I tell them anything. So I kind of, you know, I tell my, you know, tell them and I'm like, you know, this is what happened. Um, I'm, I'm looking for him. I'll, when I find him, I'll let you guys know. Um, then actually it, it, you know, it turns out, you know, I, 
I couldn't find him. So I called the coroner's office and they're like, yeah, we have him here. Mm -hmm. And oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I know that had to be hard, especially, you know, when you don't, when somebody tells you part of the story, you, you don't know. And your mind's already, you already got your, a lot of these different thoughts going on. And I know that had to be, had to be a hard situation. And oh, for you sure. And then be, to deliver that message to my yes, parents. Yep. That's what I was. Yeah. I know that had to be tough. That's a um, phone call. No parent wants to ever receive. Yeah. I, so I, yeah, it was just, uh, I'm like, okay. As if this year hasn't already been hell, here we go. You know what I mean? So in the middle of that, you know, obviously I take my time for grieving or whatever, you know, they give you your three days, which is hardly enough. So, you know, I took a couple of extra days and things like that, just kind of being there for the family and different things like that. But I'm like, am I going to catch a break this year? You know what I mean? So it's really, um, it was really tough, really tough. Yeah. And how did you, how did you find <clears throat> the strength to, to, you know, it's, it's not something you move past because you can't move past it. You just, you just have to have the strength to, you know, still do whatever you need to do. How did you find that strength? Um, okay. I'm not gonna lie. My little baby, like that definitely helped. Yeah. You yeah. know, that's, um, he definitely helped with a lot of those things and um, just making sure that I stayed connected with my family and I didn't like go off and like isolate myself. Like there were plenty of days where I just wanted to, I mean, and I took those days by myself, but there were plenty of days where I'm like, I don't want to parent today. Mm. Like I don't have the capacity. I don't know. It, it was, it's tough. I mean, it obviously still very tough to like talk about it and think about. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I didn't, there was days I didn't have the capacity, but I still had to show up for them. I was still breastfeeding. I'm like, okay, I'm still breastfeeding by the way, ready to be done. But like <laughs> just having to show up yeah. when you barely have anything. Yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah, eventually I went back to school and it was, it was a little bit better, but I was still breaking down in the middle of the day at school and a bunch of other stuff, but I don't know. It's like, you have to show up. And I always thought about, I'm like, okay, can't stop showing up for these kids because they need me. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think that is, I think there's so much there, right? Part of that is you are honest with yourself and saying, you know what, some of these days I, I, I'm finding it hard to do just the basic things that's showing up for the, the, the child I love showing up right. for my, my students showing up for, you know, my, my, my family showing up for my husband showing up for all the, all the responsibilities that you already have. And just saying to yourself, you know, some of those days, I just don't feel like doing this. Yeah. But, still telling yourself you know what i have to find the strength to be able to do these things even though right now it it, this is hard for me and i think that that is 
being able to have that conversation because sometimes I, I think one of the craziest things we do is we lie to ourselves about how we feel about things and you are honest with yourself and you still found a way even though through that pain to take keep taking action in the areas that you needed to do instead of allowing yourself to just completely sit in it even though as sometimes you wanted to oh yeah I mean and it's 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 so interesting because it's like you go through that stage of like, oh God, I have to accept that this happened, right? Mm-hmm. And then you go through another um, step or stage of like, okay, I have to get to a point where I'm 100% okay with not knowing exactly what happened, right? Mm-hmm. Then it's like, oh shoot, you're finding out pieces of um, this story. The person that does it, you know, they get locked up. You find out like, this is a person who was taunting people, like taunting, you know, black and brown people on the street, causing issues, was never picked up. <clears throat> Just, <clears throat> excuse me, a problem. You know what I mean? And it's like, this is, it, it's crazy because like white males like that never get picked up off the street. Yeah. You know, they're not right in the head. They're not. You know, I guess I don't even know what to even call them. It's just, it's a, it's a, they're just a menace to society and a lot of things. But you see how things just slide under the radar. I'm like, for for her, I mean, it took, he was killed in November and it took till crazy. The guy was actually picked up on his birthday wow. that next, yeah, that next year or whatever. So it's like from November to July, this person wow. is just walking the street. I'm like, wow. my anxiety was like through the roof. Cause I'm just like, well, why haven't they picked him up? If they know that this happened, blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, I'd yeah. see like big white men in the store. And I'm like, oh my God, that could be the person. That could be the, per-. you know, like yeah. it's crazy. Like you have bits and pieces of something, but you have to be okay with never having the full story if it never you know if it never happens so you know yeah when he picked up that was when he when he was picked up like that was a big big you know thing and it was just like we were already like struggling so much on his um on his birthday that that it was the best news to get the news that the person was picked up so yeah that's something that i can at least say like that was like a high you know it's no justice because you never get that person back Right. But, you know, as I was saying, it's just like there's these stages that you go through in the grief process, especially when a loved one was murdered, because it's just like, okay, then you you go through these healing things. And then when trial comes, right, whenever that might be, then you're reliving it all over again. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, this reminds me that, you know, when we when we're going through life, there is no straight line. It's not a straight line. We we, nope. we have these things that come up that we could have never anticipated. Like you could have never anticipated that this was going to happen. You could have right. never anticipated, like almost like when you're looking around in the store, that's almost like having a PST, uh, PSTD about the situation. PTSD. PTSD, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, I was yeah. gonna say, that's a hard little acronym. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But almost, you know, 
having that about the situation when you're looking around like could this be him could that be yeah you know what i'm saying so that is it that is a a difficult process i want to and it's just crazy and all of this of the time frame when we think about how how much of all of this took place in how short of a time frame this all took place in what i want to do now is i want to close out with two more questions um Actually, three more. The first one is, I got my little card here. If a student comes to class and says, my mom said, if you give me anything less than a B, you will have to see me. What would your response be? (laughs) See me? Like her her saying I have to see her? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, obviously, I would probably laugh first. I'm not even gonna lie. Like uh-huh. you, but um, yeah, no, I would definitely laugh a little bit. Uh-huh. But I, I mean, I would definitely probably reach out to that mom and be like, "What, what did you mean by this?" And then, like, uh-huh. what is our goal to get that person to a B? You know, like, okay. what are we gonna do to make sure that that they thrive, right? Okay. okay. You know, and I'm not. I'm. I'm kind of a flexible grader in you know uh-huh. so many aspects. Like I was uh-huh. telling you, because like there's no one way to do things and stuff like that. Right, right, right. But as far as like the parent, I would definitely reach <laughs> out, and you kind of have to put that responsibility back on them. Like, yes, I'm the grader, but we're both the teachers here, right? So yeah, what are we yeah. gonna do if they get less than a B? How? What are we gonna do? How are we gonna work together to ensure that they, you know, get more than that? But that's yeah, that's a little aggressive. Yeah, that's why I couldn't be a teacher. I'm like, I You're get right. off at three thirty, you know, because he definitely get a C minus now. So now what? You're so sick. <laughs> <laughs> no, no revenge, no retaliation. Uh, see, that's why I'm not a teacher. Right. You know, I stay in my lane. Um, so I want to uh, kind of because, like I said, this. Uh, I mean, this podcast is about taking action. And you wrote yeah. something back in 2020 on your Facebook page. You said that what you were going to do is you want to improve what's yours. You want to grow and build investments. And you wanted to nurture new life and keep your vision clear. How did you, like, what was the thought process like, what, how did you come to determine, like, those are the things you're going to focus on? And what did you do? Especially, I'm really interested in the grow and build your investments. Like, what was that process like? Because I think a, a, not enough of us understand that process. So what was that process like for you? Um, Yeah, like, when I'm talking about, like, my investment, like, you know, my my home, my properties, <laughs> um, things like that, it's... It's, it's, you know, when you, when you own a home or you have property, there's always something to do. There's always something to do, always something that needs to get fixed, improved, um, you know, and I, you know, at my first house, I bought an older house and, you know, there's just always a bunch of projects that need to be done and um, planning to like expand that project. Um, and um, I, you know, one of my graduation present to myself when I, um, uh, graduated from uh, grad school was I bought um, timeshare properties as well. So I kind of just invested that way. That way I have like more um, income to like say, Hey, you know, you know, people want to travel to 
whatever place or whatever, I can give them a week and they can pay me, you know, like different ways for me to make money or, you know, people are always traveling. Right. So different ways for me to grow that investment. And how do I put myself out there to be making money, you know, in different places or in my sleep and things like that. So I, because my biggest like goal in life is to really free up my time. Like my time is so valuable. Um, it's like growing those investments and like, what will I do with those investments? How will I improve, you know, where I'm at so that I can, you know, maximize my earnings there as well. So it's like always like thinking about what I want to do. And I, the biggest, the best thing that I could have done for myself is getting myself a mentor or someone who is already, you know, doing what I want to do. You know, like I think we don't take um, mentorship, you know, seriously enough. You know what I mean? Like, everyone has this thing where they have to be so independent and I got to do it on my own and blah, 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 blah. But it's like, we need mentorship so badly. You know what I mean? So that's like the biggest thing. So it's like when I was talking about like growing that, you know, nurturing, you know, life, my baby, you know, bringing that, making sure like he's raised around love. Like, even if I don't feel like anything today, like making sure I'm still showing up for both of my kids, you know, or all of my kids, you know what I mean? Um, in a positive, impactful way. So it's just like, you know, you're nurturing so much life, regardless of what I'm going through. I still have people that I have to show up for. Right. So it's like balancing, like, Hey, today I don't have the capacity. I learned to, um, give responsibility to others. You know what I mean? Like that was a bit, that was probably, and still is one of my biggest areas of opportunity is, not thinking that I have to do everything myself, mm. you know, um, it's funny. So I'm, I'm, I don't want to say too much, but there was this quote that I read, um, as I was thinking about myself, <clears throat> excuse me, it's just a quote that I read. It's like, you tend to control what you don't trust mm. and you know how you want to be able to give people responsibilities or, Um, you want to be able to um, say, hey, you know, I want to give someone else the responsibility and I want to take this off my plate. But it's like trusting someone to do that is so hard. So you develop like this control of, you know, certain situations. So I'm like, I had to really like analyze like what that meant. Like, okay, do you have people around you that you can't trust to take on certain responsibilities? Like that's a problem in and of itself, right? So um I, I, I always think about that, you know, with everything that I do and responsibility, like you tend to control what you cannot trust. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's something I'm always thinking about and pondering on, but um, within that, a lot of things like building a team is so important. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. And so it, it's amazing. I, I just got a lot of nuggets from you because we don't talk about, that that mentorship <clears throat> piece enough but because yeah. it, it requires you to be um humble it requires you to leave your your ego at the door because it's you're saying to this other person i recognize that you have this ability in an area i do not yet yes can you can you teach me can you help me um mm-hmm. and then just being able to especially when you think like oh you know i'm 
you know, I, I'm, I don't need no help. You know, me, right. figure it out, <laughs> you know, but we, 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 as people don't realize there's nothing that we have done alone. You don't get gas alone. You pump it into your car alone, but yep. somebody brought it to the station. Somebody turned on that pump for you, you know? So there's, there's nothing that we really do alone, but yet, like you said, that is the the going thing to say. Oh, I could I could do it all by myself. What what you wasn't brought into this world by yourself? None right. of that. So right. it's, it's very interesting that you know that you said that. And the other thing, I like that quote. Learning to delegate is you know free, and you and you have a goal. You you already yeah. know what you're after, so you're taking action to realize that, which is to free up your time. And so you realize that you know to free up your time, delegation is has to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that is that is amazing, and I, I'm I, I'm gonna look up this quote to who said it. You tend to control what you what you do not trust. That is that is man that that hits you because it, yeah. it it is true. Because if we trust stuff, we would just like okay, yeah, I'm gonna I'll let this person do it because I know they're gonna do a, a good job with that, and you know they're gonna do a good job at that. So I think that that's. And if I, you know, if I'm being, you know, 100, when I think about that, even in a blended family, you have to trust that person, the other person Mm -hmm. to, you know, uh, care for your kids, to treat your kids. You, that requires trust. And for sure, you know, you have to be willing to let go of that control to Mm -hmm. allow that person to be able to do that. So I think that that's amazing. So I'm being mindful of your time. This last question. So if someone is struggling right now to take action in their life, what are some things they should and some things they shouldn't do? Because we don't talk enough about the potholes that we know, Mm -hmm. you know, it might be helpful if people understood it. Hey, if you can avoid this, this might just be beneficial for your life. What would you say to that? I would say one thing you shouldn't do is look too closely at someone else's journey. You know, sometimes we don't think about like what we, we see the, the glitter of the journey, right? We don't, we see that final results of someone else's journey, but we don't see what people really had to do to get there. So you're like, Oh, you know, this person's my age and they're doing this and da, da, da. But it's like, you don't know what they had to do to get there. So it's like, stop looking at that finished product, right? Stop looking at that finished product thinking like this should be you. When in reality, it's like we all, like I said, it's going to always come back to we all have our different journeys that might land us, you know, you could land maybe in the same place or maybe it's your journeys to take you somewhere else. But not to look so closely at other people's story, but like really focus on yours, you know, look at your story, look at like what you want for your life and, you know, shape your um shape all of uh, all of your actions around what you would like to do write things down create checklists like I mean like that's like one of my biggest things it's like being able to check something off of my list or know that I completed something like I'm celebrating every milestone again mm-hmm. another big thing that people should do like celebrate yourself like, especially, you know, when you get there and, you know, people, I, I, uh, another thing, it's like, I feel like we just glorify this struggle, this struggle of doing everything 
by yourself. And it's just like, build your team, build your team of people like who want the same things that you want, because getting anywhere just by yourself is so much harder than being able to say, hey, you do this really well, boom, I'm going to put you there. Like being able to position others and yourself in ways that are going to enhance wherever you're going. You know what I mean? So I always think about that. Like, I'm like, yeah, there are things that you do on your own, but life is so much better when you have a team. Stop. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm moving in silence. Like, okay. Great. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that, so you're standing I, I, still I, in silence. Okay. Right. Oh, God. It's like, <laughs> why? Why? Yeah. You have so many, you have that many people around you that you can't share what the, you know, the great things that you're doing. I think it's like we bottle so much, you know, inside of us and we don't share those things and it ends up crippling us in the long run. Like I should be able to say, Hey, Jalal, I'm about to do whatever, whatever, whatever with my life. You're like, boom, you know, like, let me know how I can support, you know, like those are the people you should have around you. So I'm just wondering, it's just like, why have we just held so much in for ourselves and we want to be independent. No one wants to work together. Like, I mean, that's what's really hurting hurting the black community as a whole anyway. I just think like we just need to get out of like this struggle mentality. So those are things like I would say like to do and then to not do in yeah. life. All right. You guys have heard it from Evie herself. <laughs> Man, this was a, a, a lot of information, a lot of good information. And if you were listening, I do not believe there is not one thing you can take from this podcast episode and apply it to your life and it will make you better. I do appreciate your time today. Um, of course. It was, it, I, I, I took away a few notes and I like the fact, uh, again, going back to the list that you had made in a post, you didn't just make the post, you did the post. And so that is, you know, something that I'm always inspired by. Uh, and, one of the reasons why, I mean, the main reason why I created this podcast, because I love seeing and celebrating people who are actually taking action in their life and not just talking about it, but are living it out. And so I appreciate you being an example of someone who is actually living out their dreams, their ideas and their values and teaching our, our children. And that little bar you gave about, you know, teaching at home, you know, I'm, I'm going to do a little more work on that. We <laughs> we do a little something here, but, you know, there's always some room for but, it. But, you know, you're teaching, when I say that, it's like the teaching is not always within a book, right? Yeah, yeah. Or like that scholastic, scholastic way of teaching, but it's like, are you saying please and thank you, you know? Right, right, And right, you have right. kids, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you're just taught in school, you are going to be an ignorant child because there's so many things that we don't even touch upon. So look, I said, I don't want to get back into it, but that's what I meant. Like, cause I'm sure other people might've been thinking like teaching. No, no, no. Obviously that kind of stuff is enrichment too, but yes, yes, yes. Morals, values. Yes. Culture. Yes. yes. Oh yes. That's a good one. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's so interesting. I'm going to say this last thing and we're going to go. Mm-hmm. I have noticed since I moved to uh, South Carolina, Mm-hmm. The culture of how I have never greeted so many men with a hug as I have here. That is wow. a part of how they are. It is. It is such an. I was. I, I went to my uh, church yesterday that. just for a, a quick moment, and it was just yeah. like every every. I hadn't seen some of them in a while, 
man, first thing they did came up, gave me a hug. I love you, man. It's good to see you. You know what I'm saying? Like that to me, it was just like, wow, this is that community, that, that love for your, yeah. your brother and not that, you know, you were just speaking about that crab, almost that crab in the barrel mentality. Mm-hmm. That has really been something that has been absolutely refreshing for me to see since I've been here. It's, it, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's been amazing. I love that. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been the episode of Action Only Podcast. I'm your host, Jalal. And please check out my website, jalalwilson.com, where you will find actually many blog posts about my random thoughts about life, love, whatever I'm feeling that particular day. And I just want to say again, E.B., thank you for coming on. E.B. Holiday, thank you for coming on. <laughs> thank you. And if you really want to see what, you know, her last name speaks, says it all, but, you know, go watch Coming to America again, and you can just picture her wedding, because that's, you know, what it was. <laughs> like, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> with that, we are out. I'll see you guys again next week.